When he turned his back from shoulder to shoulder, it looked like as wide as the tailgate of a truck. And this darkness, literal darkness, just came like all over, just, just all over me except where I was standing. This thing let out the most blood-curdling, mind-blowing, spine-tingling scream that you've ever heard in your life, and it cut through me like a knife. And I knew that they were going to take me. I just knew it. And then the next thing I can remember is being levitated. Well, when I look in there, uh, I see two big eyes staring back at me. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Bump Podcast, a place for the believers of the unexplained, monsters, and paranormal. Join us, and we'll go face-to-face with what goes bump in the night. Happy fall, happy October. Um, this episode is going to be intense, uh, in my, well, at least in my opinion. It's a really scary episode. It's really good. Um, I'm excited to have Ward Hining on this show. He is a director, producer, everything man for a new series coming out called Dark Holler. And, uh, it revolves around a family down here in southern West Virginia. Me and Ward found each other on Instagram and just hit it off. You know, we started talking back and forth about the area, and he told me a little bit about what's going on in his, you know, in his series. I'm not going to go into too much detail. I'm going to let him do it. But what it what it starts off with is a story about a pastor who was called to do a baptism and in the middle of this baptism he uh, discovered he's also doing an exorcism scary stuff intense and real okay it's spiritual warfare it's all around us and guys I just I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, to know that this is all true makes it that much more intense. Uh, so sit back, enjoy it. This is going to be a two-parter because we don't just stop here. You know, after we talked to Ward this week, next week I'm bringing Josh Robinson on as the pastor. Um, so he he tells everything from his side of it too. So I hope you enjoy that. Uh, okay, let me go ahead and uh, give you guys some updates about what's going on here, too. Right now, it's barely daylight on Sunday morning. I got up early um, in quarantine, so I'm not, I'm not going to work in the morning. <laughs> I, I get quarantined every time I turn around, I think, but I'm fine. I test again tomorrow for you know what, and uh, everything is going to be all right. I I can go back to work um, towards the end of the week, but just got to do what I got to do. 
as far as the show goes, I had to close down the, the Believer store for just a day. And I went through there and I updated everything. I streamlined it to where it's easier to see what you're looking for in the store. I had ordered some sample t-shirts earlier and I wasn't too thrilled with the quality of the of the fabric, you know, the way it, the way the sizes fit and all that. So I completely changed it all. I upgraded all of the shirts to higher quality shirts. Um, I kept the prices as low as I possibly could. Uh, I don't I don't see the point in paying, you know, $30 for a t-shirt. Uh, plus shipping, you know what I mean? This is just a podcast, you know, you're not at a rock concert here, so I I kept the prices as low as I could, everything's on there, and I got some new shirts, if you like the Flatwoods Monster, if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen it, Um, so go on there, check it out, I got a new Bigfoot shirt, new Flatwoods shirt, what else is going on? Oh, YouTube. You guys are helping me so much on YouTube. Uh, I think last week, or the week before, we had just hit 200, maybe 225, whatever. We're around 320 subscribers right now on YouTube. So if if you're listening to this, please go subscribe. Help me get up to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. Help Help this show to grow. Uh... It's a good time. I'm, I'm loving what's going on here. Things are going really good. I'm going to try to make the whole month of October scary, you know, because it's Halloween season, and why not? I don't usually target scary shows, but uh, I'm loving it. I, I want you guys to, you know, to, to feel the season. So let's do this. All right, I'll shut up. I'll bring Ward on, and we'll get into this. This is when you when you hear him talking, you'll pick up this these stories, these rabbit holes keep going deeper and deeper. And if you're a fan of Hellier, you're gonna love this. I can't wait for this series to come out. I can't wait. We'll be binge watching. All right, I'll shut up. Here's Ward. Uh, I'm Ward Heine. I am a director, producer, slash just about everything uh, for the documentary series Dark Holler, which uh, follows uh, the experience of a family in southern West Virginia who has been, we think, and we make the case in the series, uh, followed by a particular uh, nameable dark spiritual entity for probably three generations that we know of. And I don't know if it goes back further than that because that's everyone that we can uh, talk to or uh, that's as far back as the memory goes. Oh, wow. Okay. So um, the touch point for this, like how it got started, like, I don't know, man, like uh, probably a lot of people in uh, 2019, 2020, when everything started kicking off uh, with the the thing that shall not be, the thing that made it so nothing will ever be the same again. Right. Um, 
I guess I had a lot of friends on various sides of the political spectrum and various sides of the uh, various stops along the how seriously we take the the mainstream narrative zeitgeist that we're being fed. Um, and it, I guess I was trying to figure out for myself um, what, to, what to think about all of it. You know, I, as far as paranormal stuff goes, um, growing up, I probably, I assumed that, I don't know, 90% of it was uh, psychological and maybe 10% of it was, like I had this category for possibly d the demonic um, and that was pretty much, I just filed it all the way under there and anything that was uncomfortable or didn't fit in those categories, I just sort of kept a drawer labeled that's crazy on it and <laughs> would throw it in that drawer. Right. And uh, that's real handy. That drawer is real handy because you don't have to think about a whole lot of things. And there's just so much information out there now, you know, so many stories. And But anyway, um, in the middle of, of thinking about this, uh, I saw, I came across uh, Ray Bechet, who was a uh, MUFON state director um, years ago. And in the early 90s, uh, Nick Redfern wrote a book about this, chronicling his experience. And also Linda Moulton Howes talked about it and talked with him and claims to have verified with other people his story. But he says that a couple of guys from the Defense Department came to him and um, essentially said that the multiple intelligence agencies were attempting to contact non-human entities, which, um, you know, euphonauts, essentially. Yeah. And uh, that they were, I mean, it, it's a crazy story. It's, it's crazy. And it would have really comfortably, there was a nice spot for it in my that's crazy drawer. Um, but I, I heard Ray speak and I watched him speak and uh, I didn't think that he was lying. And that was difficult to make sense of. So maybe the guys that came to him were lying or, or whatever, but it, it was enough to make me think mm. about something that would normally just go in my that's crazy drawer. And um, so uh, I did. And about the same time, I came across, uh, I think Tom O'Neill is the name of the guy who wrote the book on uh, Manson's connection to MK Ultra. Yeah. Um, and at that point, then I started diving back. Okay, MK Ultra is a real thing and not just a subplot to Zoolander. Yeah. And um, oh, Project Mockingbird is a real thing. Oh, like all these things. It's all real. And so, yeah, <laughs> it's all real. So then it was kind of like, all right, the, my metric for what was okay to just throw in the crazy drawer is obliterated. And it was about that time that I came across uh, Hellier, um, which is a series uh, about some high strangeness set in starting in Eastern Kentucky, but touching on some West Virginia stuff too. And uh, I had a friend of mine who was a pastor, um, like a church planner in Southern West Virginia down in um, Chapmanville at the time. Now they're in Logan. And um, I had been friends with him for years and we'd talked through theology and stuff um, for seriously, like five years, I think. And, um, but I knew that he was there and Logan's like, I don't know, maybe an hour from uh, Pike County. Yep. So 
uh, I asked him, I was just like, have you seen this thing? And he said he had, and I was like, have you ever, you know, you're down there, you're seen or experienced anything weird or paranormal. And uh, he kind of tiptoed around it for a minute and then, you know, trying to feel, <laughs> trying to feel me out. And then eventually he told me that um, how he had, he came to believe that he had conducted an exorcism like two weeks prior to that conversation. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and so I had just uh, purchased a camera kit. I do video production full time. I work for a, it's boring, some corporate marketing firm, but um, I just bought a camera kit to do freelance work. And I was going to be in West Virginia anyway. And I thought, oh, I'll go down and interview this girl. And maybe it'll be like a short little 10 minute thing um, where there's, you know, just a story and no way to back it up. But it's, I don't know, it's interesting. All right. And um, then like a couple days prior to going down there, I started to uh, notice, I, I think Josh, my pastor friend, uh, pointed out to me that there are some connections between Logan and Point Pleasant, uh, West Virginia. And there's also um, some interesting, like, uh, you know, the whole place is riddled with mines yeah. um, and caves, which is another crossover with some of the stuff in Eastern Kentucky. And so when I went down there, I was thinking, uh, this is probably just this story, but um, maybe it would be an interesting jumping off point to go look at just high strangeness in Appalachia generally without thinking that this story would do any of that. I just thought it would be that story and then maybe, okay, we start to do other things for YouTube and stuff. And um, what ended up happening uh, is I interviewed uh, the girl, Kristen, who we, we believe was possessed and, and exercised, who she believes was possessed and then exercised, um, and talked to her sister. And I interviewed them the first day and then sort of drove around Logan and went to like Hatfield Cemetery and just got generally creepy stuff. And part of, I mean, part of my drive to do it too is I grew up in Lincoln County um, and I'd always kind of wanted to do I don't know how to put it. I've thought about how to say this, but like there's a, um, there's sort of this uh, melancholic kind of feeling of having been left behind by most of the world that sort of hangs in in West Virginia. And I don't know if that's your experience or not, but. Well, I'll refer to it as like a learned hopelessness. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's like a generational hopelessness. You know, people just kind of gave up. Yeah, that's a good, yeah, that's a good summary for it. It's a good word for it. Um, but I'd always wanted to do something that kind of felt like what West Virginia felt like to me growing up. Um, and so, you know, going around and capturing like, you know, abandoned coal processing facilities and stuff. Um, and so that's the first weekend. That's what we did. We just shot those interviews and in those interviews, um, Kristen talked about her mother having experienced a lot of stuff the couple of nights before she was baptized. And the way that her story, the way that she told it to me, 
her exorcism occurred in her baptism. So simultaneously. Oh, wow. And um, that was one of the things that Josh had told me about it initially is he had been going back and kind of rather than continuing a lot of like mainstream evangelical practice, he'd been going back and looking through church history, kind of asking, okay, why do we do the things that we do? And um, one thing that he had come across was uh, particularly, well, throughout church history, but also after the Reformation, Luther um, held on to the practice of administering a lesser rite of baptism or a lesser rite of exorcism with every baptism. Um, so Josh had been reading that. And then um, when Kristen's family, who her sister went to church at Josh's church, uh, when they contacted him and asked if Kristen could be baptized, um, you know, he they had been praying for her for a long time because apparently, you know, she was into um, pretty heavy opiate use and uh, practicing like not just Wicca, but she had been practicing like hoodoo conjuration work and um, and it was pretty bad. She had a violent outburst and that kind of thing. And so he knew that uh, when he showed up and she was there to be baptized and um, what he didn't know, but what her family and friends uh, say is that she looked uh, well, they characterized it as looking dead or looking evil uh, when she arrived at the baptism. And her mother talks about um, being frightened for what would happen in it. Uh, but in any case, Josh shows up and they go down into the water and um, her first step or two into the water, I don't know if you've been there, but it's the boat launch at, um, oh shoot, uh, there's a, a boat launch on this creek, and I can't remember the name of it. Um, I can show you where it is. It's a park uh, in, uh, you get off at Madison, I think, or maybe Danville, yeah. one of the, maybe the exit before Danville. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's a boat ramp that's very, a very gentle entry into the creek. Is it Mud River? Uh, huh? Is it Mud River? It might be. Okay. There's okay. a little park there with like a, uh, you know, there's a picnic table and some swings. Yeah, I think I know where you're talking about. Um, yeah, it's right. At, there's like a um, there's a bridge right next to it. Um, anyway, like her second step into the river, uh, she like falls over and uh, she says that she's broken. She tells Josh she's broken her toe um, or her foot or something. And so he asks if she wants to go back and she says, no, let's keep going. So they go on out into the river, uh, her limping and then um, in the baptism itself, there's some weird stuff. When he starts into the, um, the Trinitarian formula, she starts kind of convulsing. And also her posture does this weird thing. There's a cell phone video of it, but she leans back as if being, uh, Josh talks about how, like, when you hold your kid by the hands and they like drop their weight, you know what I mean? Yeah. She's doing that kind of thing, leaning back. And then before... It's interesting hearing multiple people's accounts of it because um, if things that Kristen perceived to be happening 
uh, like she's in and out and she's also, she talks about being sort of out of body, like having an out of body experience, which is something she said would happen for weeks at a time um, in the months leading up to it. Um, but she says that she was worried that something would pull her under and not let her back up. And Josh uh, says that when you usually, you say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then you dunk, uh, she started going at Father, Son. Like she started going before they went to, so they had to like catch her um, on the way up run the way down and then like you can kind of see that's ah, it's, it's a whole thing but um anyway so that point when Kristen is describing this in her interview I knew that I needed to go talk to her mom and anybody that I could that was there wow. um so we came back like a month later and I planned a week uh to shoot and um we sat around we went to a uh like <laughs> this is where the uh the weirdness really starts so in on monday uh we go to this house that's not really connected to kristen's story except that her best friend um her grandmother owns this property and it's been in her family for some time and um it's supposed to be real haunted um, and I thought at that time, you know, it was just about strangeness in the area. It wasn't so much trying to connect everything to Kristen. I was just going to go see how many stories we could get. And, um, we're going through this house and, uh, we hear a story when we get there, bear in mind, like this is having seen Hellier and having asked about mines and that kind of thing. So the first story that uh, we're told about that house is uh, this girl's grandmother who owns the house talks about her aunt, I believe, who lived there uh, up until just like uh, three months prior to us being there. And her aunt tells the story of being in the kitchen with, I think, her husband and another man. There were three people in the house and seeing um, what they described as uh, a child with a burned face oh, okay. press its face up against the uh, screen door like this, mm. okay? That, she gestures like that with the hands and stuff. And of course, childlike figure with a burned face puts me in mind immediately of Hellier. Yeah. Um, and so I'm asking about mine entrances and and uh, footprints and stuff, and none of that. And one of the things that's, they talk about uh, paranormal stuff being um, like a trickster. And a lot of times you run into, this is not a thing that I knew at the time. It's a thing that I had heard people say that you run into like dead ends. So I thought, oh, small figure. Okay, for sure. Let's go up and see what this house is doing. So we went up to the house and there's a lot of strange stuff in the house. There's possibly an EVP that we pick up in the house. There's um, there's a weird like coincidence of um, when I first, all right, there's, there's one room in this house that's padlocked shut. It's been padlocked shut forever. 
um, and no one's allowed to go up there. And it is the slave quarters of this house. So it was an old enough house that there were two separate staircases and there were slave quarters and then quarters for the owners, I guess. All right. Um, the slave quarters, uh, that room had a latch and a, uh, you know, a, a hook and latch that you could put a padlock on. Mm-hmm. And according to everyone there, that room had always been locked. You weren't allowed in it. So we go up to that room and uh, we, as soon as I'm letting, like I'm leading with the camera and the camera comes up the stairs and there's another room kind of to my right. And then through the door with the lockable thing uh, is the slave quarters. And so I walk into that room and sitting in the middle of the room propped on like a like a 1970s style clothes hamper deal is this painting of a tree and uh it has a name on it uh dalmer d-a-l-m-e-r but it's sat in the room in such a way that it's very clearly like it's the first thing you would see it's in the center of the room and um propped up against a wall and uh i noticed it and my other my other guy was running camera with me. I know that he noticed it too, not because we said anything to each other, but because when looking at his footage, uh, he comes to the top of the stairs and, and like snaps right to it with the camera too. But at the moment that I snap to it and like I pull focus and right when I, right when it's in focus, there's like a, what I thought at the time was a gunshot outside. I thought someone was hunting Mm -hmm. up the holler. But downstairs on the mic, it doesn't sound like that. It sounds like a clap or a, a case slamming shut or something. Um, and anyway, so that painting, and then in that room, we also found uh, a book called the Star Book for Ministers, which was a, um, it's like a liturgical manual for ministers in uh, Methodist church, I want to say. I mean, this has been like a year since we've been there. So you went into the padlocked room it was it was not padlocked at the time that we went there it had been unlocked okay um but it was there's like a a loop like a metal loop drilled into the wall and then a uh, like a flat latch with a slot cut in it to go in from the padlock um so uh we found that in the the star book and then there was a mirror that they claimed to see shadow figures in and again, no one had been here for three months. And there were like in the dust on the mirror, there were four fingerprint like drag marks down it uh, in the dust. Hmm. So anyway, the house was weird. But because I was thinking, you know, hell your little figures, that kind of thing, um, I almost missed. We went back down after after we'd been to the house. We went back to the grandmother's and I talked to her for a minute and she was like, oh yeah, I remembered a thing. And I, okay, hurry up and get the camera together. And she talks about this person that had lived there before, the same person who'd seen the little figures, um, called her one day in a panic because the largest owl that she had ever seen was like standing in her yard like a, an owl too large to be real. And um, it, it first, when she said it, it, I didn't know, I had no category to even pick up on an owl being thing or a large bird. I was just like, okay, she saw a large bird. That's whatever. 
and uh, someone else who's there in that house while while she's telling the story says, uh, when was the Mothman stuff happening? And she goes, I don't know. I've never heard of Mothman. This was like um, 72. So it was like five years after the height of the Mothman stuff. Um, but what's interesting about that, I found out later reading Mothman prophecies is uh, large birds were seen on the Ohio side of the river uh, during the Mothman flat. Yeah. Also large flocks of large birds seen during the Mothman flat, which is a thing to remember for later. So there's a lot of these things that like the payoff doesn't happen until I get back a week later and I notice something. So here's an example. And this is the weirdest. I know the story has taken a long time. No, no, no. This, I'm loving it. You, you got me pulled in. <laughs> this is like the weirdest thing um, that happened. Not in the, like, something I saw that was paranormal, but this was the weirdest thing that has stuck with me as, like, a takeaway from the whole thing. So I thought as a joke, Monday night, because we had watched Hellier, I was talking with Josh uh, and one of his friends who kind of ended up serving as like a, a, a cult or paranormal consultant on the whole thing, because like, I'm, I'm a, I'm not an expert at this. I'm just a guy with a camera who wanted to tell a story. Um, so I kind of leaned on him quite a bit. Um, and I was jokingly, I took like Starbuck for ministers, and Dahmer tree painting, and I forget how I phrased it with the mirror, but I took some stuff and threw it into uh, Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts, which they use in Hellier. Um, kind of as a joke, because I didn't, I thought these answers are so vague that you could make, you know, it, I don't know if you've ever used it, but like you put a phrase in there and it gives you a numeric value and then it shows you every possible phrase that could correspond to that numeric value. And it's endless. Like you could load pages and pages. And what's it called? So, Super Finder. A secret cipher of the Euphonauts. I've never touched that before. Supposedly, I mean, don't. <laughs> that's the that's the lesson that I learned. But um, apparently, this was like a cipher given to Alan Greenfield by the Euphonauts. Uh, okay. In. I think that's the title of the book that he wrote, actually, A Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts. But anyway, uh, so I plug these phrases in kind of as a joke because, haha, they did it in Hellier. This will be funny. Let's see what comes back. And one of the things that comes back is hold bear, the phrase hold bear. So we were joking about trying to find mine entrances. And Josh says, uh, I've got a mine entrance you know, right up the holler from my house. And I jokingly say, and this is the only reason I remember it later, uh, we better not go in any mines. This here says hold bear. So you don't want to find any bears, right? Right. So Friday of that week, uh, Monday is the night we went to that house, hold bear Friday. Um, and by this point, uh, how much, how much time do you have? We got plenty of time or all right, so just hold on to the hold bear thing. Okay. That's how we got hold bear. Um, Tuesday, we uh, we go and, and shoot some B-roll 
around, take a drone up and, and shoot some stuff. And uh, I, I think we end up going up to a location that all the locals there in, uh, it's Unita. Mm -hmm. uh, they refer to as Big Rock, Little Rock. It's like a, I don't know, it's a, a stand, a, a rock outcropping on the top of a ridge that you can get to by like side-by-side -side or ATV. Right. Um, and it's a place where Kristen used to go practice berry spell jars, that kind of thing. And um, so we go up there just to kind of like look at it and, and talk to her and get some drone footage of it. And it's pretty cool looking. And um, there's might be something to the idea of uh, high places because there's a lot of uh, these like rock outcroppings that are kind of oddly, if they're entirely just down to erosion, it's kind of weird that they erode the way that they do. Yeah. Um, the rock strata are very thin uh, relative to like what the what you would see if you go underground in a mine. And maybe that's just I don't know. I I don't. I'm not a geologist. I don't know. It's just weird. Um, particularly when you like the uh, cosmic geography type thing with height versus lowness, um, height being near the divine. Mm -hmm. it, anyway, it's a, it's a whole rabbit hole. Um, then uh, Wednesday, we finally get to talk to Kristen's mom. Now, uh, Tuesday, I interviewed Kristen's best friend growing up, the girl whose grandmother owned the slave house. Okay. And um, one of the interesting things that she says, in addition to describing Kristen's baptism and, and what it was like as Kristen got deeper into the, the witchcraft and the hoodoo, um, one of the things that she says that was real interesting was that Kristen's mother's family was very... Uh, no, first of all, like, there's an expression down there, uh, not my story to tell. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And she couched it in, this is, you know, I'm not trying to gossip about them, ask them if they're cool with me telling the story. And I did, and they were, so I'm not, anyway. Um, she says that Kristen's mom's family was very chaotic, that they were um, moved around an awful lot growing up and just had a lot of she said was a lot of uh, family secrets. And so by Wednesday, um, oh, and then also uh, Kristen's sister Monday night had mentioned something about her thinking that this possibly went back before Kristen. And uh, so I'm like primed to talk to Heather, Kristen's mother. Uh, that's so Heather didn't want to do a sit down interview. She was reluctant and I understood that. I didn't know at the time uh, <laughs> all the reasons that she had to be reluctant, but I, I thought as someone suggested, maybe instead of like a sit down interview with a tripod and the lights and everything, we just all gather at Kristen's sister's house and um, kind of keep the cameras in the background and not uh, just kind of follow the conversation. And so that's what we did. And then um, it turns out that Heather's family has a whole bunch of uh, oddness. So 
Heather's one of 16 children that survived to adulthood um, out of, I believe, 22. Oh. Um, I don't want to give away like every, I don't want to, yeah. I feel like I want to couch some of, some of that story. It's hard to get straight to it without uh, being exploitative. Right. And I'm very careful in how I do it in the series. So I want to like maintain some of that. But one of the things that connected Kristen to prior generation is that Heather's brother, um, Craig, also practiced uh, some form of witchcraft we were not able to determine. Um, but he practiced it with... Um, a person who demanded to be referred to as Lilith. That was the name um, that this person wanted to be called. Of all names, okay. This person was not um, born a woman, uh, but dressed as one and, and demanded to be called Lilith. Um, it was, like at that point that Kristen was like, uh, that's so weird because Lilith is a deity that she would conjure, worship, pay homage to. Um, and uh, so that was the first, but Wednesday was the first indication that there was like a nameable thing. Yeah. Um, Craig, like after this practice, uh, ended up, uh, twice being diagnosed schizophrenic and sent to Cabell Huntington hospital. Uh, the events that surround those diagnoses are, um, it pretty weird. There was a, like a, an exorcism attempt in one where he, uh, would not did not want to be called Craig um, and threatened violence and another one where he actually had uh, someone like trapped in a closet and then ended up uh, fighting through the house out into the to the yard and the cops were called and it took several police to get him in the car and all this so that was Craig uh, Kristen you know, that, that was when Craig was younger and he mellowed as he got older. And uh, <laughs> uh, Kristen like lived with him for a while. Okay. And let's see, she, someone who was there at, not me, but one of the, I think it was um, Kristen's sister's husband asked her, did you sort of, were you informed in your view of, spirituality in the world by your relationship with Craig. Um, and she said, well, kind of, but it was like, we already sort of saw things the same way. It was just like you, we were clicking. Um, she has a tattoo on her left hand. That's a wolf. And she said that she got that tattoo of a wolf because Craig used to tell her that she had the spirit of the wolf because she was a Bellamy was her last name. All right. Um, 
again, another thing to like put it in the pocket for later. Okay. Um, additionally, she had tattoos on her arm, um, on her shoulder. There's uh, like the night goddess, which is, uh, you know, Lilith, night goddess, Ishtar, Hecate. They're all like yeah. the same thing by different names. Um, she has it embracing death. She has a tree with a flock of uh, crows uh, taking flight from it. And then the wolf. And then on the inside of her forearm, she has the three phases of the moon, the like common um, mother maid or maiden mother crone cycles of a witch's life. It's like a common Wicca symbol. And also associated with the night goddess um, of various names. Um, So now we're starting to get an idea, right? There's a pattern at least. All right. Um, Kristen had a nightmare. Uh, I think it was Tuesday night that we were shooting. And in the nightmare, uh, this is post-baptism, but in the nightmare, she sees this thing that she describes, before we're talking about Lilith, she describes it as feminine. Um, and it says uh, something to the effect of, it's gonna take more than that, we're not going anywhere. Hmm. Um, and she wakes up uh, with the feeling of something like choking her. So um, Josh had just posted Again, not having talked about Lilith, Josh had posted something on Facebook concerning uh, Psalm 91. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Psalm 91. I wasn't. Um, uh, maybe I can hear it. But In um, Kristen's Nightmare, when she sent, some, sent a message to like the family and the people who were down there that she had this nightmare, and I having just read Psalm 91 thought this fits uh, it's a, it's a promise of protection under, under God's wing. And um, I thought this fits. And so I posted a section of it uh, as a response to her. And then um, she apparently had also months prior uh, given her mom a pendant to hang from her like uh, rearview mirror. Mm -hmm had Psalm 91 on it and a bird feather. And uh, so Josh is in the room while we're having this conversation with Heather. Everyone's around the table on Wednesday. And um, we start trying to figure out if that's a genuine, uh, we stopped using the word synchronicity, but that yeah. would be the like paranormal word for it. Right. We started using the word providence. But either way, whether it had just been sort of an insular thing where I had heard it from him, who'd heard, got it. Um, and then, but then when Kristen had given her mom a thing with Psalm 91 on it months before any of us knew any of this, it was a little more legitimate, I feel like. But the thing about Psalm 91 is um, there's uh, one of the passages, I think it's like, verse four or five is uh, you shall not fear the terror of the night. Hmm. Some translations render that the screech owl. 
and it's an it's agreed upon by most commentators that that's an idiomatic reference to Lilith or Lilitu or Lilu, which is the Mesopotamian demon that's kind of the first um, it, the first iteration in literature in the Epic of Gilgamesh uh, of the thing that we come to refer to as Lilith or the Night Goddess. Um, so. At this point, we're like, okay, I'm no longer thinking this, you know, there's nothing uh, hellier or little people about this. This is like everything, the whole pattern seems to indicate this thing that has a name or at least behaves according to an archetype maybe mm-hmm. um, that is following her. And... Um, Then we let uh, Heather listen to what I think is an EVP uh, from the cell phone video of Kristen's baptism itself. And in that cell phone video, uh, there's like a screech or a scream sort of thing um, that no one there seemed to have like an explanation for what might have made it. It's sort of like uh, like a mountain lion or a panther kind of sound, but slightly lower pitched. Wow! And really fast. Wow. It's just crap. And um, I played it for Heather, and she said after she heard it once, she asked me, "Is that a scream?" And I said, "I don't know. That's a good question." And then she listened to it again, and she was like, "I asked her, is that familiar?" And she said, yes, very. And she said that she had heard that voice call Kristen's name in her house because Kristen was staying with her. Um, Later, I did an interview with uh, Kristen's cousin, whom she's close to, Morgan. And Kristen's cousin says that um, she was FaceTiming with Kristen uh, maybe a few days before I got there the second time to shoot and she heard when I played that noise for her actually before I played the noise for her she says um, that she thought she had heard something in that video and then we play it for her and she says that's uh, a voice I heard calling Kristen's name over FaceTime what? before we got there um Josh, the first night that we were there after the slave house, we all sort of did a campfire thing. Because I wanted to hear everyone kind of reflect on the baptism. And apparently Josh had been uh on the phone with Misty's husband, so Kristen's brother-in-law. Um, one evening, and he had also been talking to uh, the guy that was kind of our paranormal consultant at the same time on Messenger. And um, he was talking about, he was describing the sound in the video, because I had just that night, when they were having the phone conversation, I had just heard that sound on the cell phone video. And he was telling them, uh, you know, this is a thing that um, if you look at like records of demonic activity 
down through church history, um, animal, animal-like screams are an associated phenomenon. And uh, I guess right as he was right as he was saying this, Derek and Misty heard what they thought was like something fighting a cat out on their porch, and Richie, uh, the our friend who's like been a paranormal investigator for a long time, he hears something at his place. Um, Derek and Misty go out on the porch. There's nothing there. The bag of trash that they had left is intact. Um, so I don't know. There, there's something about that voice. Everyone uh, that has listened to it or has claimed to have heard it uh, separately, like independent of each other, before we had any of the Lilith Psalm 91 connections, yeah. all they all described it as female. They all described it as um, it sounds like a woman, but it sounds angry. You know, not not to cut you off or anything, man, but I've heard uh, several recordings of <clears throat> interactions when somebody's supposed to be, you know, possessed and they're doing a you know, exorcism or whatever and it's always such a similar sound like totally unrelated videos but it's always this and when you said panther or wildcat it's like it's always this feline type purr growl kind of thing and I, that's just what I'm, I'm getting in my head while you're talking about this and it's look i don't like that topic i don't like <laughs> i don't like demons you know i was scared to death of it for a long time uh after about a year of doing this show, I kind of got a little stronger in my faith, you know, so I'm, I'm not really too worried anymore, but man, it's a, it's the, that's the most real scariest stuff on the planet to me. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, so one of the, like, I mean, I say this in the dog, I might as well. So, um, I told my dad what I was working on. I called him before we went down and shot the second time. And um, he's like real conservative uh, Christian. And he was trying to discourage me from it saying like, uh, you're in grave spiritual danger. You are, you know, you're, he said you're poking a demon in the eye. Um, and I thought about that for a while. Um, and I think what I kind of concluded, so I felt like, and I still feel like the story kind of fell into my lap and, um, and I've like, I'm Christian yeah, and, uh, I've prayed about it a lot. And I think like, I believe that I'm supposed to tell that story. Then you are, and, yeah. um, what I kind of concluded was if I don't, if I don't tell it because of fear of how it's going to affect me and my family. And I think that it has, mm -hmm. um, if I don't do it out of fear, like which, which God am I fearing? I want to take just a minute to tell you guys about squatchsurvivalgear.com. If you're into camping, bushcraft, survival, prepping, or just looking for an everyday carry, SquatchSurvivalGear.com has everything you need. They have the gear to help you survive the worst day of your life. 
You know, it's just to help you be ready. Uh, for me, I have the Rock Ape pack. It's one of the backpacks that they offer. It is, it's a good size bag. You know, it, I, I took it out on my last trip for a, for a four-day camp, and everything I needed fit in there. Um, they have things that go from that size down to like a sling bag. They have a bigger bag, you know, like the Grassman or the Yowie. Uh, if you haven't noticed, they have cool names too. You know, they're named after, you know, these cryptids, the Minahuni. Uh, they, 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 they got it all. But the gear itself is 100% made in America. Every component is made in America. Um, the guy that's designing them and making them here, his name is Chris. He's been on my show a couple times, but he's a uh, he's a veteran, and he went with the gear that he used while in military service, and reconfigured it to to be even better, and made it available you know to the civilian sector. Top of the line gear, absolutely bomb proof. I love it. Best I've ever had in my life. You know, I've I've had Camelbacks. I've had LL Bean. I've had uh, some some really high end stuff, but this Squatch Survival gear, it just it steals the show. Uh, it's fantastic gear. So go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com. You can use promo code Bump Ten and save ten percent on anything on the entire site. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, um, and it's been like, it's been eye-opening about, you know, you like in Sunday school or whatever, you hear life talked about as if there's a, there's a spiritual battle going on. And, uh, I don't know. I, I never really appreciated that. I don't think, um, until starting to work on this and, um, I don't know, man. It's all right. Man. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. It must be getting pretty real sometimes, huh? Yeah, there were, you know, there's um, friendships that in like mental health stuff in my own family that have been, I think, I mean, stuff that's gotten better now, but I think everyone sort of attributes to this. Yeah. Um, And like, I think I'm the sort of person that if I were to see something scary or have like a real, like see a full body apparition, like I would be terrified in the moment. But I think that it would be like, oh, I'm actually doing something. And so it doesn't, I don't think I get that kind of thing. I've had um, nights where like inexplicably out of nowhere I get like fight or flight panic mode and I'm not that guy like I've never experienced that um I've had nights where like I won't work on the project because 
there's like this uh like really deep discouragement like oh this isn't good like i'm gonna put this out and it's gonna people are gonna be like oh this is retarded like um but anyway um it's anxiety attacks you know yeah that's that's one of the most common demons there is in my opinion i i I label these mental health if they want to call it mental health uh i think it's all spiritual at this point ward yeah i think my background's in counseling and human services but i walk away from that three or four years and i'm i'm seeing everything in a different light you know i i really believe this is all spiritual and anxiety is a little it's a little demon man it's it doesn't possess but it it oppresses you it depresses you and it just it eats at you you know i think it's um yeah i think it's i think it's all wrapped up i think it's both i think we only you know we see the material side of it um but i don't think that gulf between the spiritual or you know if you don't want to look at it in a in a faith context we can use the word interdimensional like if that is more comfortable but i I don't think that barrier is as strong as it looks to us from this side no hell no no it's all spiritual in my opinion it it all is man and i've i've read i've rode the line a little too close with past shows you know i've talked to people that want to talk about a paranormal encounter and then stuff starts happening around my house and I, I don't know if it comes through electronics you know like the speakers completely went out on a brand new laptop still don't work to this day uh but i was i got a few evps i had cabinets in my kitchen slamming on their own uh, we all see you know the little shadows zip by the you know through the kitchen stuff it got to the point where i don't know if you can see it on my wall or not but i have a, a cross that i got I ordered three Holy Land crosses, you know, from Jerusalem. And I, I put them throughout my house. I saged the house. I prayed over the whole house. Uh, it really made me dig into my faith, man. So don't be afraid to dig into you. You know what I mean? It's yeah, not goofy I mean, to, to do that stuff. It, it helps. The, yeah. It's had the same. It's had the, uh, like, there were times we got. So this will, this will segue. This is handy. Okay. Uh, but. We, we're getting ready to go into um, Heather's childhood home in Man. Um, Man's like an hour south, an hour deeper into Appalachia. Yeah. Um, and like the stories that Heather told about this place um, were like her dad was pushed down the stairs and had a compound fracture in his shin. And he said, they pushed me down the stairs. He would spend... Um, they had separated at this time he from heather's mom but he had would come to visit at that house and man and um every time that he visited in later life he was uh extremely religious we had bible all the time and he would only stay in the one room upstairs where all the activity happened um everyone in heather's family that i talked to that stayed at that house reported something strange about that room like one of the guys heather's brother uh said he had something crawl in bed with him one night that he assumed was his daughter. And then he came downstairs the next morning and his daughter's on the couch. And he said, uh, why'd you 
get out of bed. And she said, uh, someone kicked me out of bed. So like, and everything in that room is nuts. And um, her dad pushed down the stairs. They would hear voices and um, craziness in that, that house. And um, so we ended up going to that house. And one of the things that I was thinking of, I mean, at this point I had kind of made my mind up, but um, I didn't want to bring anything back. You know, I've got wife and kids and um, you know, me going in somewhere for uh, the sake of a thing that I think I'm supposed to do is one thing, but I better be pretty sure if I'm coming back to them. So, but I, like you said, uh, digging into your faith, like um, I've kind of taken this attitude where look, when, like when Christ says all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to me now, and then in Peter, when it says that he goes to the spirits in prison and preaches to them after, I don't think that's like dead people. Mm-hmm. I think that is the evil spirits uh, in like in chains from the time of Genesis the 6. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the watchers. And I think him preaching to the spirits in prison is more accurately viewed like uh, the cowboy in a western like kicking in the door of the saloon and being like i own your stuff now like the nations now belong to me right um so anyway i've been taking the view that like well jesus owns all of it um and i think he wants me to tell the story and so i'm gonna pray about it but we're gonna go ahead and just go where i don't know try and get the best stuff like if i'm supposed to expose whatever this is let's just go as hard as you know whatever this the struggle the battle is ordained like it's appointed anyway yeah let's just get on with it (laughs) so anyway i i went to we go to this house and we didn't know the people that are there now and it's been 25 years since heather lived there and um this will this will tie back to it's funny how this segue works so i i did not plan this but um so we're in, we walk up to the front door of the house and um, this is the day after Thanksgiving. This is November 20, I want to say it was the 29th, whatever, the Friday, uh, November 2020, the, the Friday after Thanksgiving. And um, we didn't think anyone would be there or let us in because it's Thanksgiving and if they had people over and also if they were experiencing anything in that house like Heather's family was, uh, you, you know, would you invite people in? To, right. um, but we show up at the door and uh, sure enough, this guy comes, like he pulls in and walks up behind us and asks what we're doing there. And parent, we come to find out he's the owner of the house. His name's Chris. And uh, as soon as we say, we're making a documentary about a family that lived here and experienced some paranormal stuff. And for that for like the next 15 minutes he thinks we're psychics Hmm. and he keeps referring to us as psychics but anyway he invites us in and and the first story that he tells us is um he was pushed down the same stairs and his collarbone compound fractured uh, and he had the scar and he still had the holes in the drywall and um 
that was the first story he told us. And then we said, you know, no way the, uh, the last guy 25 years ago, a guy lived here had the same thing happened. Yeah. Um, and he's taken us around, uh, showing us upstairs. Um, so there's, he lives there with his wife and then their two grandchildren, which are teenagers, like, uh, 15 and 13, I think. Um, the 13 year old is very talkative. Uh, and has lots of experiences with uh, ghosts knocking things off of things. That's his words. Yeah. Um, nightmares. The other kid, the older one, um, he his room is the room where all the activity was supposed to happen. In that room, uh, I see a moon hanging on the wall, like a wood moon hanging, like a decorative thing. And I asked uh, the kid... The quiet kid I said did you put that there and uh, he says no and um, the other kid says it was here when we moved in and mm -hmm. so I asked Heather Heather uh, did you guys hang that and she said no that was there when we moved in like 25 years ago um, we come back down and at this point it was just myself and Derek who's Kristen's brother-in-law um, but at this point, we've been long enough that uh, Kristen and Heather have come uh, to see what's up with the house. So now we're all packed in this little house in man. And uh, Kristen pulls me aside and says, did you see all the moons? And, you know, no, I wasn't looking for moons. Hmm. Um, and this was the point where she pointed out her tattoo. I hadn't even noticed it at this, up until this point. But the lady had hung... Um, moons like wind chimes of moons all around the porch and also inside the house were several like um several moons hung around the house it was decorative but she didn't put the one upstairs that one was there when she moved in um so the kids tell the same story about seeing um like a, a dark figure upstairs which is the same thing that Heather said and was the sa same thing that later we had uh, Dan, her brother, told us. Um, the kids had apparently uh, done their own like informal ghost hunt going around the house at 3 a.m., which is when everything happens, of course. Of course. Of course. Um, and taking pictures with their phones. And they tell me now, I don't have the picture because they say they deleted it, but they told me uh, that they took a picture of the kid who lives in the room with all the activity downstairs and that over his shoulder, they saw a man with a goat's head on his shoulder. I said, do you have that picture? They said, no, we deleted it. Where would they come up with that at? You know, that's... So an interesting thing that I didn't find out until later when I went and talked to Josh about it and this is Friday, so we've had a couple days to think on this Lilith thing, is the only uh, direct address of Lilith in scripture, or Lilith, is Isaiah 34, 14 and following. Um, yeah, give, give that one a look. Um, in Young's literal translation, as well as some others, so it's God's judgment on Babylon. He's saying, I'll make you a waste, uh, you'll be a dwelling place for Lilith, and um, 
for it's translated differently. It's translated some places donkey centaur, some places um, satyr, some places uh, wild goats. But everyone pretty much agrees they're naming two demons. They're naming Lilith and this goat-headed. If you have any like Baphomet, uh, well, any Old Testament background like Azalel was the wilderness demon that yeah. the um, Israelites were to. Yes. scapegoat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, Isaiah 34, four, I think it's 15, says something like uh, there, um, something like they'll find its resting place. So, um, the other like there's too many weird things about this house to go into all of them. Like it, it would take an hour, but um, it, just a couple of them. So, so one, the guy, the grandfather, Chris mm -hmm. lives in the room that Craig lived in when he lived in that house. Um, Heather comes in to that room and um, like taps me on the shoulder and said, do you see all the dream catchers? Sure. And I said, uh, you know, what are the dream catchers about? And he goes, um, oh, I asked him, do you have any problems with bad dreams? He said, oh, terrible, terrible nightmares all the time. And at this point, like him and the talkative kid and like, they're all relaying stories about nightmares. They all have terrible nightmares. So I said, um, so you put the dream catchers up and he said, yeah, I found those in the hallway and something just told me to put them in here. <laughs> Heather goes, my brother lived in this room and had like, he did the same thing, dream catchers all over the walls. And at this point, Chris is pretty spooked out. <laughs> you know, he's, yeah, no doubt. Um, he's like reaching for a Bible. Um, but I noticed at the, not at the time, but later, um, there were some things that, that I noticed. One, uh, there are three men that live in that house. There were three windows in that house that were covered in uh, black plastic sheeting and possibly another curtain, but definitely black plastic sheeting, three windows. I asked Heather, and they're the same windows that Craig had blacked out. Um, Craig, when in the times like leading up to those exorcism experiences, would uh, become extremely reclusive, uh, not want any light in. He would come out to eat, and that was it. Um, and would black out these windows. Okay, so three windows blacked out, three men in the house. Um, they told me a story. There were three property or three buildings on this property. Three days before we arrive, the kid tells me, and then the grandmother confirms. Three days before we arrive, uh, a three-year-old burned to death in a fire in one of the houses. Oh wow! Okay. Um, is that the, the child that they, they saw through the screen door? No, I don't, I don't think so. This was years apart. Years so apart. The, the kid with the burned face and the screen, I didn't even think about that connection, actually. That's kind of bizarre. But that was years, that would have been years prior to this. Okay. Maybe a, at least a year or two. Um, so threes. Yeah, threes. The last thing... I mean, there's there's a million weird things about this house and the people that are there, but um, I'll just 
say this because uh, I only have like 20 minutes maybe. Um, I got the footage back from shooting in that house uh, the weekend I came back. So that was Friday. I came back Saturday and I think it was Sunday night I was looking at the footage. And um, the first thing that the camera sees when I turn it on inside the house, because I didn't know at that point if they were going to let us record or not. And so I was going to roll on it anyway. Right. And I don't know, maybe get permission later or ask for it. <laughs> um, the first thing that the camera points at in these house, in this house is there are four bears. One's holding a sign that says welcome. And the third one holds a sign that says go away. Um, and I thought that's weird that there are four bears. Like this is after I noticed the three things. So I'm looking for numbers now. Yeah. I'm like, oh, four bears. Okay. And I start looking around and I was like, oh, there's bears. Like she's this person, these people really like bears. There's like bear figurines all over the uh, TV, like entertainment center. Right. And I, okay, play the footage. Uh, every wall in the living room has bear figurines or bear prints. The grandmother's sitting on a blanket with bears and bear prints on it. There's a dream catcher with bears like to my left as I come in up here that I don't see until later. Um, at the top of the stairs, so you go to the right and then you go up these stairs and there's two rooms. The room on the left is the one with all the activity. There's a closet between the two rooms and it is stacked like my chest height with giant stuffed teddy bears. In the room with all the activity, the kid's window is blacked out. It's one of those three windows that's blacked mm -hmm. out. And in front of it, in front of the black sheeting is a giant uh, like quilt blanket thing with a depiction of a bear, big bear behind his head. Under the moon hanging, that's been there for 25 plus years, uh, there's a stuffed teddy bear that I didn't even take in at the time because I was looking for moons. I right. saw the moon. And I didn't even pay attention to what the other kid said, but the talkative kid, I hear it uh, now that I'm like watching the footage three days, two, three days later. Um, he says, yeah, that bear sort of just randomly spawned there. I have no idea where that came from. What? I didn't even pay attention to it at the time because I'm like, this kid's like a constant, he's constantly talking. Yeah. And I'm trying to listen to like Heather. Um, downstairs in the in Craig's old room um, on the wall there's two two of the dream catchers are bears one of them is a wolf um, the bed spread on that bed bears um, so anyway I'm watching this Sunday night and going through and like like just every time there's like these were some bear holding pools <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and I messaged uh, Josh and Richie that and um, at that point uh, <laughs> so I'm not using the secret cipher view finots anymore right because uh, it was this weird like I'm sure you've felt this but it it was the um like that tingly feeling of having kind of dipped your toe into the current that runs under things, the unseen like yeah. river. And I could absolutely see how that would get to be addictive. Yeah. Um, 
and that's what you know that's what richie had warned me about that he was like look the the whole point of the interaction for the things the dark things on the other side is to get you obsessed is yes. to get you addicted to this and i can see how that would work yeah yeah for sure <laughs> that would work so i don't use uh that one <laughs> Um, yeah, but anyway, I, I've rambled like through pieces of every episode of this thing over I love the last it. hour. Well, when are you going to, when are you going to be able to release this? So the distributor lore has the first episode and it's finished. And if you're real nice, I might just send you a screener because I'd like to know what you think of it. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I would love yeah. it. Uh, I'll do that because I'm, I'm interested in what because um, like I said like I'm a, a noob at the at the paranormal um, this is something that I've been into for like two years max I guess right and um, like I know a lot more about even the like the the CIA MK Ultra stuff than I do about this side of things this is the story that fell to me and yeah. now i know a lot more about uh lilith than i thought i would <laughs> um but yeah I'll, so i'm interested my point in saying that is like i'm interested in seeing what people who are more into this like your reaction to it um i would love so, to see it okay love to check it out and yeah. you know talking about hellier that helped me out so much. I was stuck in my house in this office in quarantine. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I was like, man, I got, I just got this little desktop and I'm sleeping in a hammock in my office and the rest of the family's throughout the house. I was like, wow, I got some time to kill. And I don't even know how I stumbled upon Hellier, but yeah. I did. And it was like all night long, just binge watching it. I had made myself break it into two nights obsessed. So I, go outside the next day do reaction videos on instagram <laughs> you know i was just like i was eat up with it man so that's think... what this reminds me of that's it feels like a, a logan county mingo county kind of hell year you know that's exciting hopefully i the uh i'm torn because i'm a big fan of that show yeah but i think we're pretty clearly playing for different teams <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um like man i even you listen to hollow sky yep like even the hollow sky guy's reaction to uh i won't spoil it but the end the end of that show i mean that that's how i felt about it just, I, it was probably the same reaction i had it's probably the reaction video I mean, if people are listening to this they've probably listened or watched hellier already okay okay when they're going into the cave to look for figures, you know, they're looking for these rogue figures doing a, a seance or whatever to, to raise an ancient God. And here, they're the ones that are in the cave doing the seance to raise Pan. You know, I'm like, don't you see that you're the people that you're looking for? You know, you have become <laughs> the monsters, you know? Yeah. <sighs> that's, I had never thought of it exactly like that, but that's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> I love that show, though. Right. If someone was doing the exact same investigation and came upon you just like 
you know, three minutes earlier. Right. Be like, I found it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I was like, it's deeply, uh, like, uncomfortable watching kind of Greg pressured into it. Yeah. Um, did you listen to Penny Royal? I did listen to Penny Royal. Yeah. Like, I was, yeah, I was into it, man. Uh, yeah. Um, I think I mean, I, I don't know, maybe this is uncontroversial and kind of like a stupid thing to, to say, but uh, I think that there's legitimately something um, gaining steam or energy or waking up um, in, I don't know about in Appalachia, but it has something to do with that. And um, I wouldn't be like, it, I talk about like, there's things that I know, like you uh, talk about your epistemology in concentric circles. So like, there's things I know, there's things I believe with a reasonable amount of, like I could give you an argument. Right. And then there's things that I suspect to be the case. Yeah. And the more often, like the longer that I'm in this, the more things that I suspect start just like happening. And so the things I the thing I suspect is that uh, Hellier is part of that ritual that they're talking about, and like if you you should listen to the um, the Sword and Staff episode recently where they talk about basically what they think is going on in Hellier. Yeah, I, I got it downloaded. I haven't listened to it yet. That's basically what I think is going on, okay. and I'm wouldn't be shocked if somehow like i think i feel like everyone that watches that is in some way in participation and i think that like if not for <clears throat> some, this wouldn't exist like i would not probably be doing this yeah um and so it's interesting like i don't know there, there are different ways to think about that i guess that's interesting you said that though. That's yeah, kind of taking part of a mass ritual almost almost. Um you're part of the you're part of the picture just by watching it. Yeah. You're, you're giving it your intent, you're giving it your energy. Uh and yeah, there's something going on with Appalachia. It's getting too popular too fast. And in the occult, you know what I mean? It's like not for good reasons. It yeah. Um, I got an episode coming out next week where a guy explains it kind of put pieces together for me he's explaining uh, the ancient mounds you know mound builders and the Adena people and stuff like that right? uh, Yeah. and he's telling me well, it'll, it'll actually come out like two weeks before this episode does but he's talking to me about how you know these giants that were in America migrated from ancient Egypt and the Israelites, you know, they fled there and traveled to here. And he connected the serpent mound as an, uh, a heretical thing in honor of the serpent in the garden that these giants may have been the ones to build and that these the weren't serpent. necessarily, yeah, the serpent and these serpent weren't necessarily. Its seed. Yes. Yep. It's Genesis 315 inverted. 
Yeah. And, and that these giants aren't necessarily good people, you know, and that connects with the whole Native American belief that Southern West Virginia, Eastern Kentucky was the dark and bloody ground. You know, it was used for hunting grounds, but very few settled here except for the Shawnee. You know, they, they settled in to yep. certain areas here, but it, it all just makes sense. You know, this place has always been cursed, man. And were they cursed because they made it cursed land three to 5,000 years ago? Yeah. Uh, you ever been to uh, Newark Earthworks? I have not. Dude, uh, I'll, if you want to come up sometime, I'll meet you. Um, it is... Uh, so it, it's an earthworks. It's an, it's an effigy mound with points that you can plot from like different uh, different points that are clearly defined on the earthworks point directions to the serpent mound, to uh, like Machu Picchu, to like Stonehenge. Um, and you could like, there's no you would have to have instruction yeah. at that time to do that. It was like ley lines. Yes. Like? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I took to a check crazy out. deep dive on that stuff. Uh, like all the documentaries on that are terrible quality that I could find, but I watched all of them. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's, it's nuts. Like there is something, there is something there. Yeah. And I, I pretty much exactly what you're saying. Like I, again way out on the edge of what i suspect right is like there are entities that are geographically tied for some reason to that area because of having been worshipped there millennia ago yeah well you you said the reason why you know when you talked about the watchers and jesus said this is my dominion yep. now you know i've taken over the nations they had the nations it was yep. it was allotted to them you know so yeah. yeah, they were worshipped. You know, all uh, that's what blows my mind is all these Greek mythology gods and all these Norse gods; those were real entities. You know, it's everything's real, man. <laughs> I just can't. I think um, one of the like after, well, after we all watched uh, Hellier, like Josh and Richard, like started looking at. Um, like pan is depicted the green man is depicted in the lower levels of cathedrals in europe oh wow like is it, okay why <sighs> and the why is because they understood like that the pagan deities it's not that they were false gods in the sense that they don't exist right they were false gods because they're not the most high exactly like, they're creatures in his world. They belong to his architecture. And so we'll put them on the lower levels of the architecture. Yes. Um, and I don't think like, I don't know. It, it warms my heart to the, there's someone else because like a lot of, uh, you know, modern evangelicalism not, has no kind of understanding of that. Right. Yeah. They, they, they skip out the parts where he's the, most high you know like among who yeah 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 <laughs> uh, it's a throne room <laughs> you know it's uh there's thrones in the room yeah he's the most high yeah, I mean, yeah. I, 
I assume that you've read Heiser. I have. Uh, okay. Can you see it? It's well, it's probably also out of view, but yeah, the unseen oh, realm is behind me on the bookshelf. Okay. Uh, I got Genesis Six Conspiracy, uh, Gary Wayne. Ooh, I, I haven't read that one. I have it. It's a big read. I bought it like four years ago, and it was too much for me to tackle. Yeah. But now that I got through Heiser, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring him down and and read that one. I gotta get that one. It'll be a good one. Yeah. That's wild. You uh you should definitely check out Sword and Staff and um like. I don't know. I'm sure Josh would come on and talk about all this stuff. He knows more about it than I do. He spent a lot more time. He's way more uh, erudite than I am. <laughs> He's read more. Well, I will. Uh, I'll definitely get a hold of him, and I'll check out Sword and Staff. Uh, before I let you go, man, I plug this podcast like they need my help. They're they're probably way way bigger than I am. But uh, do you listen to Blurry Creatures? Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's. <laughs> I love that. That's my show, man. I like it more than my own show. You know what I mean? It's like they bring on the right people. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Doug Van Dorn on there was uh, big and like was influential for me because I'm like, um, the, my faith tradition is like reformed. And so like to have a guy from that tradition sort of be like, look, it's okay to entertain this idea because Heiser is not that. Right. <laughs> right yeah sweet man Word, i'm i'm glad we did this i'm glad we talked yeah uh, me too man we're gonna have to meet up sometime next time you're around the area um holler at me shoot me a text okay. or something I, you might have my number by now if not i'll i'll send it to you yeah man um early october i think um i don't know if i can i don't know if i can talk about it but i'm going to kentucky uh, uh Yeah, I can probably. So, uh, you ever listen to Confessionals with Tony Merkel? Oh yeah. Are are you so, are you going to be with Tony? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> should I edit that out or should I let it leak? <laughs> uh, I don't know. People he's already handed that he's going to. Yeah, he said it. So yeah, it's on him. <laughs> it's on Tony. Yeah, I owe him that anyway. He he let me on his show. You know, I I, I was on there. Uh, Oh, it's a couple months ago. He, no he finally, yeah, I waited for like a year to get on his show. I, his backlog's crazy, yeah. I know, man. And we recorded in like February, and it got released in like July or August. And it was a like a six hour special of podcasters that he released like oh, four, yeah. yeah, like three big series. And I was like number five of six, kind of just lost in the shuffle there. And I was like, well, I made it on there. You know? <laughs> as long as as long as I got it on there. Yeah. That's cool. I'm going to, um, I can't remember what the episode number is, but I remember that him pushing it. And I was like, I ain't got time. <laughs> yeah, it took forever, but I, I I did it. I pushed through just so I could hear myself on Tony's show. Yeah, him and uh, Wes Garmer from Sasquatch Chronicles, they they were big inspirations for it, man. I, I yeah. listened to, to Wes for years before I even thought about doing my own podcast. I haven't listened to his show. I need to. He's the man. I don't have enough time. There's so many good podcasts. Like, I know. I listen to, uh, I listen to mainly Blurry Creatures, Tinfoil Hat, um, 
and Sasquatch Chronicle. That's my that's my three go tos. Yeah. Yeah. But it if you get into conspiracy, tinfoil hat with Sam Tripoli, that's yeah, I um I'll occasionally listen to uh, uh conspiracy theories and unpopular oh. culture. The, Isaac Weishaupt. Isaac, yeah. Yeah. Um I listen to his sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. He does pretty good. That stuff's wild, man. The the I don't know, the like Luciferian stuff in Hollywood and uh, and music videos and stuff. That's yeah. I don't know. It's all coming to a head. It's all spiritual. I really in my heart believe it. Everything that's going on in America, everything that's going on around the world, that that cannot be named. It's it's all spiritual, man. And yeah. it's all just to test us. I, I really believe that. Maybe not uh, a test from God, but it's it's testing our metal. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's testing our faith. So. All right, that's it for this week, guys. I hope you enjoyed listening to the show. If you just have to have more content, you can go to patreon.com slash the bump podcast and subscribe and be a patron. Uh, got more and more content on there every week. So I hope you enjoy that. Uh, to catch up on past episodes, go to thebumppodcast.com. Click the episode tab, and it'll take you to any episode you want to listen to. Also, if you want to be on the show, I would love to have you on. Share your story with us. Go to thebumppodcast.com. Click the holler at me button and holler at me. Send me an email, thebumppodcast at gmail.com, and uh, I'll get you on as fast as we can. All right, again, thanks for listening. I love you guys. Until next time, don't stop believing.